Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there, I'm Georgie Ainsley, and every week I talk to someone who is a performance person. They could be an athlete from the world of entertainment, business, or politics. They could even be an astronaut. The key link is, of course, that they all know how to perform at the top level, and they can teach us all a thing or two about how to do that in our own lives at whatever it is that we do. Performance People is available wherever you get your podcasts, or, of course, you can watch us on YouTube, where you can also subscribe, and please do. James Allison is a British motorsport designer and engineer, best known for his accomplishments in Formula One, where he's the technical director of the Mercedes-AMG Petronas F1 team. He's played a pivotal role in the teams he's been associated with over the years, recording 11 Constructors' Championship titles. In 2021, he also became the chief technical officer at Ineos Britannia, my husband Ben Ainsley's America's Cup team. I was away from the hurly-burly and the fight cliches I know but but that's sort of what Formula One feels like to me and I like I like the fight it's very um, unpleasant uh, to suddenly feel that what you'd previously felt about yourselves as a group um, has been you know the foundations of that have been loosened by the reality of the stopwatch Imagine how, how good that's going to feel, you know, when they've all been looking sympathetically at us, well, with faux sympathy in our direction. And we just suck that up and go, OK, right, well, you know, we're going to work on this and we're going to come back and we're going to show them. And that is definitely a galvanising thing. Much as maybe the outside world might imagine this is deeply painful internally, and on one level it is, it's also really exciting. James. Season's ended, so I'm imagining for somebody like you, you're straight back in your workshop and you're tinkering away on a numerous amount of projects that you've got going on back at home. Is that what it's been like for you? Is that what it's going to be like for you over the Christmas period? No, it's a it's a common misconception that the season ends and we get a break. Um, but uh, anyone on the inside of the sport knows that the season never ends and the break never comes. The, uh, the, um, the, the, the challenge of next season and the one that you're in currently and the seasons to come mean that you are just continually uh, sort of 
rolling from one car project into the next without a break at any stage. And the workload actually stays uh, pretty high throughout the whole year, um, with it being probably at its most intense in the factory during the Christmas months. So from from now through to around April is is probably peak workload for for the factory side of things. And the only the only um, actual enforced periods, and it does need to be enforced periods of of grace, are during the summer when the sport as a whole shuts down for a couple of weeks, and during Christmas this year for the first time, the sport has also decided to impose a compulsory shutdown between uh, New Year's uh, between Christmas Eve and uh, and first uh, of Jan. 2nd of Jan. So it's this would be the first Christmas uh, in Formula One in, well, since forever, where people will actually be able to take a few days off in a guilt-free fashion because it's actually imposed at a sport level. How much do you all need that? I mean, you've talked about the fact that they do need to impose these breaks, but I mean, just mentally, physically, we know how exhausting this circuit is for people, but I mean, how important is it just to get some downtime? Uh, well, I think it's pretty crucial. It, it is true to say that it's not universally popular in the team um, because uh, by imposing on the team at a sport level these known shutdown periods, you effectively take two weeks of annual leave and force that on a team in the first couple of weeks of August and then you take a second week of their annual shutdown of their holiday allowance and you impose that at Christmas that doesn't leave a huge amount of discretionary holiday out of your holiday allowance to be taken in the remainder of the year so what that does is it forces on the whole factory to take their holiday in parts of the year where it is actually quite expensive to mm-hmm. take holiday and 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 for people who maybe are not forced by their job or their role in the company to be uh, omnipresent during the year, um, then it's it's maybe a little bit less flexible and less enjoyable to be told you must take your holiday here and here. Um, but for, for, for a different slab of the company, certainly for me and my role, for anyone who is part of the traveling community that does the, the races for... Um, for uh, any of the management structure of the team and a chunk of the factory as well, this uh, enforced break comes as the most blessed of reliefs because it does just allow you to go and uh, go home, not feel guilty for not opening your laptop or your phone and answering a trillion emails and, uh, and just get some rest. So uh, I'm looking forward to it greatly. Are there really going to be? I mean, we talk every year about the increase of races on the F1 calendar. It seems to just grow year on year. They're going to be 24 races next year. I mean, is that actually possible? Uh, well, it's certainly what's scheduled. And uh, and I'm pretty sure now that, you know, happily COVID is behind us and, and some stability has returned, I think we can be pretty confident that, yes, barring barring major disaster it will be a 24 race season next year and that that is pretty pretty grueling when you consider that there is also winter testing to be done uh which uh which adds 
another couple of weekends into the year, you, if you're one of the traveling folk, then that is more than half the year spent, uh, spent on the road. Um, and, uh, and, and in a, in a mode of, of, of working that is quite tiring and, and quite demanding. And then all the people back in the factory who give live support to that as well are, are having to take that burden on their shoulders. And it, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a thing. Um, in fact, sufficient of a thing that the sport has just started to address it because the, co- the cost cap means you, you can't, um, you can't reasonably contemplate saying, well, it's now sufficiently large number of races that we need to double up on the roles that do the traveling to allow them to sort of alternate races or anything like that. It's the financial reality of that makes that prohibitive inside the cost cap for the sport. So in order to try to impose some relief on an otherwise very difficult to manage season, the sport has just started to debate internally about whether we should have rules that, um, that mean that, let's say it's a 24-race season, but would mean such that uh, no individual other than the drivers would be allowed to do all 24 races. A cap imposed maybe at 20 races, let's say, just pluck a number from the air, um, which would mean that uh, everyone who had previously going to have to do the full slog would, uh, would, would only be able to do 20 of them, and the teams would have to find it in themselves to put uh, alternative methods of coping with the absence of each member of that traveling community um, four times per year. And uh, that will be an interesting set of gymnastics to cope with. Uh, but, but will at least, uh, if it's imposed at a sport level, won't impose on any individual team uh, a competitive disadvantage. We would all face that hurdle together. Um, the ones that wiggled their way through it in, effectively could turn it into an advantage by organizationally uh, managing that in a slick way. But the the net positive at the far side of it would be that uh, at least uh, a small number of weekends per year you could rest and recharge if you were if you were otherwise committed to a travelling role. And the interesting thing will be, you know, that will mean uh, people like Toto, <laughs> you know, team principal will have to respect it as well. Uh, the race engineers, the ones who have the closest relationship with the drivers. Um, you know, Bono and Shove, that's a relationship that lots of people know about because it's, they hear it on the radio. Well, they would have to hear a different voice four times a year and, uh, and we'd have to figure out how to manage that in a good way. Yeah, that could change a great deal of dynamics, couldn't it, within a team and a structure. Um, I joked a little bit at the top about you tinkering around in your workshop, but you love to tinker. This is one of the things you do love doing back at home when you have got some time off. And you've gone and you've sort of said no to that and, and decided to throw yourself right back into the melee in the, in the sharp end of things, um, back at this technical director yeah. role again. So, so what on earth persuaded you that that was a good idea to do that again? And, and how are you sort of embracing it moving forward uh well that's that's quite a long and complex question um <laughs> i do like 
uh, I do. You're absolutely right. I do love tinkering. Uh, I could amuse myself forever doing uh, doing stuff in in my garage and and on airfields and just just general larking around that's not work related. Um, and the the role that I do in the team doesn't leave much space for that type of self indulgence. Uh, but but what it does do is it gives an incredibly rewarding, challenging, yes, but incredibly rewarding emotionally uh, job. And so although I spend maybe more time at work working than I would wish, that time is nevertheless extremely enjoyable and, uh, and, and exciting. And, uh, and if things are moving in a better direction, then incredibly fulfilling and, 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 you know, makes your sort of sense of, uh, of purpose feel pretty energized. So it is what persuaded me to step back into it. Um, uh, I, I'd spent a year and a half or so being half retired, working three days a week, um, which did allow me an awful lot of, uh, tinkering around time and playing time. And it was great. Uh, but, 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 but the, the downside of it was that I was away from the hurly burly and the fight cliches. I know, but, but that's sort of what formula one feels like to me. And I like, I like the fight and the struggle and the, and being alongside my teammates in the thick of of that fight and to be still in the company but slightly displaced from what was going on especially in a period where it was clear that the team was suffering i i it didn't didn't feel um particularly uh good and so when when i was asked to consider whether i would come back and take it back on uh, although I, although I, I was uh, a little sorrowful that that would mean a, a sort of curtailing my my self indulgent time. It was it was with a glad heart from the point of view of um, of tucking into the work alongside my teammates and and enjoying the fight together to try to get get things moving forward together uh, uh, once more. And James, I know that you always talk about the teamwork. You never sort of single yourself out for any individual praise. It's always very much about how you and your team can work together to make the best of a situation. What do you do with this situation you've got now? Because you walk into a scenario which is sort of unprecedented and there's been no Grand Prix wins for the team this season. How do you go about turning it around, not just for the car and the technical aspect of what you're trying to do, but also with the people in mind, re-energizing them, re-motivating them. Lewis talked quite um, beautifully, as did Toto actually, about how you're like the gladiator that everyone wants to go into battle with on the front line, which I thought was a really a, a lovely take on it. But there comes real pressure with that. Do you feel that or how do you how do you work through what needs to be done next? I Well, first of all, the reason I talk about it as a team thing is and not an individual thing is because that's what it is. Um, and uh, and all of us just play a, a small part in in trying to make the car successful. Um, and and in terms of what what contribution I can make 
as my small part in that in that machine uh actually the 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 role i can play is much less technical and much more human than people might guess uh the the team is stuffed full of 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 very very strong engineers uh, and very very high levels of technical competence and so i don't need to teach anything to anyone and, and in most cases couldn't even if i wished to couldn't teach people technically about their specialism and, and their job um so it isn't a technical input particularly that i provide or that anyone who was lucky enough to sit in my seat provides the the more precious thing for someone in the role of technical director is whether or not we can find it within ourselves to um to work to work in a way that allows all the technical skill that i just talked about to be harnessed effectively and when a team has been as we were you know on a very high plateau for a quite a large number of years for quite a long period of time and then takes a dip for whatever reason takes a dip the is very disorientating uh it's very um unpleasant uh to suddenly feel that what you'd previously felt about yourselves as a group um has been you know the foundations of that have been loosened by the reality of the stopwatch and being being beaten by by another team and by other teams it's it's quite it shakes the confidence of an organization and it also puts a lot of very short term pressures on a company that's been used to thinking further ahead mm-hmm. and the short term pressures are that the car is poor and the results are poor and they must get they must improve and the 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 call of that is very loud um completely natural but very loud nevertheless and it and it and it rouses people to action but the action can be can tend to be that that all the disciplines in the company that you know the aerodynamics the vehicle dynamics the drawing office the um all the specialisms that are necessary that work together to create a good car that each of them can sort of scatter on the four five six winds to uh, to their individual corners to do what they can do or see you know contribute in the way that they think is best driven by this very loud call that the car needs to improve and if you're not careful then then those groups can stop talking to one another because they're all head down trying to fix what they see as their part in in making the world a better place and if you know probably the 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 most destructive pattern that that we as a group got into over that difficult period from when we first our crown first slipped uh was that we we fragmented more than we should have done not because anyone fell out with anyone f- far from it in fact the 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 spirit in this place considering the pressure it's been under has been incredibly resilient but everyone's natural desire to contribute to a, re- a recovery uh was a little fragmented and i would say that if i've had any effect that's been of a positive thing is to try to draw that back together 
to try to get the main uh, engineers who are leading the main divisions in the company to to talk to one another more, to try to take off their shoulders some of the immediate pressure and and, and just dampen down the shout that is coming from the car uh, and just to focus on on coordinating our work because because if we do that the world will improve and the and the call from the car will quieten on its own um so i would say that's that's mostly what i've been up to since coming back to the technical director role and that's got nothing to do with nuts bolts springs dampers wings floors it's it's just human stuff um but but nevertheless that human stuff becomes more and more important the the further you are up the food chain and the more fortunate you are with with the role that you're given in the company i mean anyone who's interested in business listening to this will will totally identify that in that with that in their own way how do you so of course the this understanding is that it's a very human role that requires you to pull together all these different groups of people and and put them all back together again so that you can together contribute to to turning things around. How does that actually look on a day-to-day basis? I mean, what do you actually do? What are the sort of, are there some things that you just come in and straight away say, we need to do X, Y, Z, and then at least we're going to put ourselves in a better position? Uh, no, no, not, not so much that as just um, uh, with, 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 with the folk who, who have, at their fingertips, you know, important slabs of the company. So Shav that looks after all of the racing side of things, Loic who looks after all the vehicle dynamics side of things, John Owen who does the drawing office, the chief designer role, uh, Jared Murphy the, who looks after everything aerodynamic. To, to pull those people together, other names too, Giacomo Tortora, Ricky Moscone, uh, just bring those um, those important folk together and ask a few questions of them, which the answers to which are only possible if they spend a bit of time talking to one another. Um, and, uh, and, and the, that, yeah, the fact that they then spend that time talking to one another automatically, uh, means that they will, they will, uh, coalesce around a jointly agreed program of activity to, to get, get those answers. And and it doesn't take too long before people fall back in the habit of leaning on each other rather than working individually, um, because actually it's way more fun that way. Um, and if someone's giving you permission to do it, because those are the questions that need to be answered, then then that's what that's what happens. Um, so not coming in and saying, well, we need to get the car three millimeters lower and the spring needs to go to that or whatever. I wouldn't know how to do that. Uh, because that requires people who are um, in the depth of the detail, um, who are um, resources that are under the control of that layer of more senior feed people that I just described. Um, but but those those people down in the engine room of the team, uh, they need to have be given the confidence by their own leaders to work on on areas that maybe are going to help and to do so in a manner that is is linked up across the company. 
How much can siege mentality help against the enemy? I mean, I think of uh, Ben, my husband's sailing team, and I think of when they've been in the pit of despair in cup competitions and it's all looking terribly drab and, and, and a bit grim. And then some, someday there's this most incredible performance and everyone just galvanizes. It sort of brings the team together. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there the opportunity for that given where Mercedes is at right now? It's, it's actually can be and, if, if Han is the right way, very galvanized. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, I think as long as, I think the, the sense that we're all in this together um, and, and, and that people are, have, have sort of written our future for us, you know, the once great team now in decline, all, you know, all of the negative narrative that can, that can come around with that. As, as long as internally we're saying, well, yeah, let them say that, let them say that because, because, you know, that's their job. They've got to say something, but our job is to, to is to show them they're wrong. And, uh, and imagine how, how good that's going to feel, you know, when they've all been looking sympathetically at us, well, with faux sympathy in our direction. And we just suck that up and go, okay, right, well, you know, we're going to work on this and we're going to come back and we're going to show them. And that is definitely a galvanizing thing. Um, as long as it doesn't spill over into, into sort of, a, you know, a, a negative negative sort of victim complex and and it just it's more just the cheerful application of the skill in this place to to come out and uh, and surprise people actually we're not going to go quietly into the night and you, and and actually this is a place full of extraordinary talent um and people who who have have got absolutely everything they need uh in in their head their character and the equipment we have here at the factory to to be resilient to this um and 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 show show that we can rebuild and and produce a car that is deservedly at the front once more i mean is there something in saying there's 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 some excitement in being the hunter again as opposed to the hunted well i certainly feel that um i think that uh as as an organization, you, if you have been at the top and you start to fall, there's two ways of looking at that. There's a sort of backward looking way of, of lamenting what you once were and, and, and sort of going, you know, how could this have happened to us? And, and, uh, and, 
not not how could this have happened to us in a in 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 a way of saying right we need to just we need to be uh calmly assessing what it is that has has made us fall away from the the front address that and then and move forwards but but a sort of a keening uh lament of oh my god this is all so terrible and and how could we have got how could we have fallen so low when we were once so great um you know if if you have that sort of backward looking mentality it can be quite depressing and 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 likely actually to prolong the downturn if on the sooner on the other hand you're able to say well we are we are where we are let's not pretend we are deserving of winning at the moment um let's let's figure out what we need to do so we are deserving of winning and let's enjoy let's enjoy that transition from what we deserve to be right now and what we're going to be in the future the sooner everyone can be on that page a the shorter the slump is and b the more fun it is because the the sense of growing momentum is deeply joyful and the the idea that you're building you're building the 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 things that are going to allow you to walk walk around the paddock with your chest out at some point in the future that's a that's a really energizing thing and uh and so much much as maybe the outside world might imagine this is deeply painful internally and on one level it is it's also really exciting and uh and and a lot of a lot of whether it's the depressing or the exciting is sort of how you choose to look at it it's also a little bit about how you look at things, isn't it? You have this very, very brilliant sense of perspective on life. And I think your attitude towards work and life in general is, is, is really interesting for somebody who occupies this position that you do at the top of the sport in what is a very, very full-on uh, technical sport. Where does that come from? Where does your sense of perspective ultimately come from, do you think? Well, I'm not sure that it's brilliant or anything. That feels a little over generous. Um, I know I'm brought up in a very cheerful family by very cheerful parents, and uh, and find that life's just way more fun if uh, and 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 goes better if you decide to look at it cheerfully and uh, and 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 in, and try to enjoy it and. It just to me, it just works better that way, and uh, and I have never found any any profit in in being overly self-flagellating. You just try to learn from mistakes, and uh, and 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 try to enjoy the time you spend with your colleagues, laugh at what's funny, um, and and plot plot how we're going to be better in the future that it just i don't know i come from a cheerful family <laughs> it's, it's a nice nicer way to live than being all sour-faced but but it is an interesting one james because you come across a lot of characters who are occupying these sort of top roles in these various different sporting organizations and there's this huge overwhelming sort of um that that work dominates everything and i know work is really important to you yeah. but you do you do have a really good balance for somebody that is able to 
you know, um, operate at that level. And I, I just think of it when I, when I look at Ben and I think about how we sort of balance things and make things work. And yeah. it is really hard when you, when you're with people who are living these really fast paced work life existences, um, to sort of just find that sense of balance, but you, you have managed to do that. Yeah, I've been lucky along the way in some ways. I, I was, I'd say in my early twenties, I was really quite ambitious and, uh, and really, really wanted to, to, uh, think what the next thing was going to happen to me, try to be promoted and catch the eye of folk, you know, above me. And, uh, at every point in my life, if there was a, a question of should I prioritize this challenge that the, that work is presenting to me, or should I uh, give give time to things outside of work, and most notably to my wife and my children? I would always choose the work path, um, and and would sort of justify it to myself, saying, "Well, in a way, this is being done for my family as well, because if work goes well, then that is security." for my family. That was my internal monologue, but I don't think it was an especially honest monologue. I think it was that I was just in the habit of saying yes to work challenge and taking for granted what was at home, that that would be endlessly forgiving of, of those choices. And, uh, and happily I got sacked, um, when I was, uh, in my late twenties, and uh, and that was a very very brilliant experience. Didn't feel like it at the time, but <laughs> but if you if you gave it about six months or a year of perspective, it was really helpful because I it it brought home to me the nature of what work is compared with what life is, and work is you know a company is not a person. Uh, a company is a is a corporate thing that owes you as an individual no loyalty. A company has to look after what the company's interests are, and yet as an individual you can you can sort of give your whole self to that company at the expense of loads of other stuff, and and then you know stuff can go wrong in that company, and and the company can decide to take a different path, and. And then you can find yourself on the wrong end of that, deservedly or not, and certainly played my part in in uh, a team that was not going well at the time. And and suddenly you realize that you've given everything to that company, but the company, if it reaches a cold-hearted decision or, or clear, you know, clear-sighted decision that it needs to change direction, it will just drop you like a stone it will pay you contractually what you're owed and stuff but but emotionally there isn't a connection to a company there are colleagues who love you and and might might be saddened by your by your disappearing but but a company is just a company and uh and family and life and friends are different to that and uh so it's brilliant being sacked because it, it taught me that lesson at an appropriately early age and uh, and thereafter, um, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm still a very hardworking person, I, I hope, and I, it's a thing I prize. 
but but thereafter, me and Becca, my wife Becca, we we found a much happier balance between where work was and where and where home was, and uh, and and that actually made me a better employee. Weirdly, too, because someone who's spending every single minute of their life at work focused on work, thinking about nothing else is a, a pretty dull person and, and also quite a tired person I find. And, uh, and by, by pulling back from it, having a more balanced relationship with it still really, you know, a hardworking sort of relationship with it, but not ambitious anymore. Just do enjoy what you're doing, work hard at it. Uh, try to be a good, teammate to the people around you and just have fun doing it and uh and weirdly that is actually way more effective than being ambitious uh people like being around someone like that far more than they like being around someone who is got their eye on the next opportunity and uh and and you have a much much more fun time with your wife as well so so I was just dead lucky to be sacked um, the other job you've got, of course, is to try and help my husband win the next America's Cup. How's that going? <laughs> um, uh, well, I hope I hope we collectively uh, putting have put in, in enough work that we have bought ourselves a shot at that. Um, I feel slightly uh, fraudulent um, talking about it as if I can lay claim to any significant role in it because certainly switching back to being technical director in F1 has left me far less time uh, than I did have previously uh, to work with Ben on that. Um, but I see, I see every week the extraordinary amount of effort that's being put in by that team um, of experienced marine engineers and a cohort of, of uh, people who spent their lives previously in motor racing uh, engineering and and I think collectively we've done some stuff of which we can be very rightly proud built some foundations that have uh, I think moved moved things forward since the last America's Cup um, we're definitely not favorites uh, it's quite a nice sort of underdoggy position to be in because there's there's some you know some good work been done there and 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 I think we may have bought ourselves the opportunity if 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 the next several months of work can be executed cleanly, bought ourselves the opportunity to surprise a few people. And I fervently hope that to be the case, because I can think of no more deserving a group of people who have given an enormous amount of their lives over the last couple of years to it. I can think of no more and your husband far, far longer. I can think of no more deserving group to enjoy, enjoy the success that that effort richly reward, uh, richly deserves. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you, I remember a couple of years ago you saying when, when Mercedes came on board as full technical partners for the cup bid, I remember you saying, this thing is so much harder than F1. I mean, do you still feel that way or are you now slightly backtracking on that statement, having kind of thrown yourself no. back into the full F1 picture? I... I no, but it, but it, I'd want to give some context to it. Uh, <laughs> that the, the hardness of it 
it's not not like F1 isn't hard. And there's aspects of F1 that are just ludicrously difficult uh, to cope with um, alongside all the pleasure. But the but there's but there is a, a large slab of America's Cup that that the people that undertake it and do so willingly, um, they they take on a, a a level of sacrifice and and an endurance challenge that Formula One folk do not have in the same measure. Uh, so. Um, the the distance between the competitions is is much longer in formula one we've just finished a very intense season it's only like 90 days and we're back out there again and uh and then every couple of weeks or every other week every week uh for a large chunk of the season you're racing and uh and so you have this feedback continuous feedback loop of where you stand where your weaknesses are and how, and, and, and a, therefore a, a goad to how to fix it. In America's Cup, you've got the, the knowledge that this cup is going to be in a number of years from now. It's one shot and therefore unbelievably high stakes. Uh, although it's a number of years and therefore in human terms, you know, that is a commitment of, saying this is a significant slab of the amount of time I'm going to be on the planet and I'm going to devote it to a thing that is going to take a very large chunk of me off the table for that number of years. And so it's, it's simultaneously both a long time in terms of the span of your adult life and it is the blink of an eye because from the moment the starting gun fires in it, the deadlines come at you at a dizzying rate, you are behind the behind the schedule all the way through it, and the pressure of that on people for that significant number of years that takes quite a um, a strong constitution to be able to deal with that, and it is a it's a layer of uh, of psychological and physical challenge that is not faced in the same measure by uh, by Formula One folk. It is also the case that, uh, on the whole, the last three decades in Formula One has seen the industry transform from a, a sort of cottagey industry to quite an industrialized, uh, detailed, process-driven uh, world where people are quite pigeonholed, but the whole machinery of that meshes together really well. The organizations that do it are quite mature. They've, they've been blooded by championship after championship after championship that lets them tune themselves uh, to do that. Um, but, but as a result, uh, they are um, quite compartmentalized compared with an America's Cup team where a very small number of people do a very, very big task. Mm. And those people need to be uh, more of a jack of all trades and they can cover a ridiculous amount of ground individually compared with their F1 counterparts who are asked to do a much smaller thing in a much greater level of detail. And that, that has been an interesting experience, seeing how much ground a marine background person is able to cover the breadth of uh, of their knowledge, uh, maybe uh, 
less profound knowledge in any given area, but over a broader swathe of the vehicle that they operate on, which is a boat, not a car. And and culturally, that's been interesting for someone who's been in the in the sort of mechanized part of F1 for the last few decades to see how a different world works. Yeah, that rings very true. I mean, I think of just the sailing team, they they end up performing tasks that are so much greater than just sailing the boat. Um, and that manifests itself throughout the entirety of the team in, in every different role. So I know exactly what you're talking about there. Um, okay, just want to ask you ahead of the next Formula One season, are Mercedes going to be back to winning ways in 2024? Or is it going to take a little longer? Don't know is the answer to that. Uh, I hope that we have uh, put in place enough of a program of work that we have put ourselves in with the shout to be back to when, when, when I mean, winning ways, does that mean winning a race? Does that mean winning a championship? In my head, it's only ever about championships. That's what Formula One is. It's, it's, a, it's a constructor's and a driver's championship. So I hope we will have done enough to give ourselves a shout of being in a championship fight in both championships. Um, if you look at the long march of F1 history, then the stats are against us. Um, teams do not, do not bounce back from slipping from their previous peak in the length of time that we have set ourselves. But we have nevertheless set a pretty ambitious program. We have quite a lot of strength in depth here. And we've made quite a lot of progress with next year's car. Whether it proves sufficient or not, only time will tell. Um, but, but I, you know, that's what I'm hoping for us. And I, I know that all my colleagues and teammates around me will be hoping for the same. James, if people are listening to this and they want a performance tip from you, what would one be? What do you do every day? What's the one thing that you do as a repeat habit every day that's, that sets you up well for performance? It's going to sound ludicrously Pollyanna-ish, but um, every every time I uh, come to work and I drive through the factory gates, it's not like I make a sort of conscious deal with myself, but I just, my game face is cheerfulness. And I just, I'll go in the gate and I just decide that I'm going to have a fun day and uh, and that it's going to be something where I where going to go home having enjoyed it and hopefully some of that rubs off on the people around me that are going to be smiley going to like saying hello to people in corridors and uh and and hopefully some funny things will happen and hopefully we'll have a few meetings where we move move the dial forward a bit with the car but you know deciding to have that sort of day it's not completely ludicrous because it if you sort of come in the door feeling grumpy and down, you're pretty much going to have a crappy day. So I, I feel like that, that works for me anyway. So that's, that's how I approach coming to work. I think, that's a very, I think that's a very valid point. It's like saying yes to things as opposed to saying no to things and, try, and trying things. Thanks, James. I really appreciate it. Total pleasure. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.